This morning, I'm going to finish up on our series on the Invisible War. Uh, it's been, a, it's been a, a, a longer series. We've gone through a lot. Uh, I thought about preaching on baptism this morning, um, but I'm like, no, I really need to finish this one. I need, I need to put on the last one. And again, recently I talked about the armor of God and how we have to get dressed. This morning, the, the name of the message is getting battle ready. Because again, we're not, we're not battling against flesh and blood. Most of y'all think the Democrats are the issue. Y'all think Republicans are the issue. Or you think gays are the issue. Or you think another group of people that you don't get along with is in the issue. And here's the problem is no. The Bible tells us we don't battle against flesh and blood, but we battle against spirits and principalities that are not from heaven, they're from the world. See, we've been trying to teach ourselves through this whole series that this is a spiritual battle. We've got to quit fighting each other and fight our real enemy. And sometimes we've discussed our real enemy is us. We self-talk, we beat ourselves up, we tell us we're not good enough, we justify things that we know are wrong to say they're okay, and, and so we're constantly fighting ourselves. And then the second one we talked about, we're constantly fighting the world and everything going on around us and how that's all the problem. And if all that went away, life would be honky-dory. Bunnies and butterflies. No, sorry. And then we have a real enemy who from the beginning in the Garden of Eden has used the same tricks and is 2,000, 6,000 years later is still messing with us, saying, did God really say that? He wants us to question the character of God, and we are dumb enough to keep falling for it. No, he didn't say I couldn't do this, so maybe I can. Well, Paul kind of gave us a warning on that one. says, all things are lawful, but not all things are profitable. I can do all things, but not all things have a benefit. And then he goes on in another place and says, you know, where sin abounds, grace abounds more. And then in the gene version, you know, like Ian had his version last week, I got my own version of the Bible. Paul goes on to say, he goes, so should we sin because grace abounds more? He says, he's like, what are you, an idiot? No, stop it. You know better. See, as we grow and as we mature and as we've walked through and hopefully you've stacked each one of these weeks on top of each other, your maturity level starts to grow and so you start to see the schemes and the lies of the enemy. Because again, the reason I, I'm going through this this way and honestly, the reason I preach most of my messages and I've told you, you are just getting to hear what me and God are talking about. And you guys get a share in that. Because to be transparent, I struggle just as much as you all do. I have just as many problems as you all do. And I have to learn how to fight this battle daily. Because it's not one thing when we overcome it, it's better. Because when the enemy has his hooks in you from something, no matter if it's shame, guilt, addiction, fear, whatever it is, when he's got his hooks in you, he wants to keep his hooks in you. And so we need to learn how to break free from those and understand that, guess what? Once we break free, he's still going to use them on us. Why? It's what we're comfortable with. It's what we're used to. It's our default. 
And so as, as we talked about these battles, the reason why life is so hard and so tough and so difficult is because we live in a fallen, broken world. Understand, when Adam and Eve were in the Garden of Eden originally, it was perfect. They were never going to die. Life was good. Okay? See, we sometimes forget and have the end of the book. We forget about everything that happened in the middle. See, everything was perfect. They were walking with God. Could you imagine that? You're just walking along and all, God, all of a sudden God comes up and says, Hey, Gene, what's happening? Yeah, that's how God's going to talk to me. He may not talk to you like that. I guarantee he don't talk King James, so don't freak out about that, okay? He's just going to come up and say, hey, what's happening? And I'm like, hey, God, how are you doing today? Because that's what he did with Adam. You guys understand that's what's going to be happening in heaven. And I, I'm sorry, but I can't come here and not get excited because I know what's coming. And I get to just spend time with Jesus. I get to worship. I get to just spend time with y'all. And we get to just have fun forever. I mean, he says there's no pain. There's no sadness. There's no sorrow. There's no illness. There is nothing wrong. Let's try to focus on that. Not what you saw when you came today because you looked at Facebook before you read your Bible. I, I, got, I got some spears thrown there. Um, we got to stop looking at other stuff and start remembering we're built for so much more. See, you may all think you're busted. You may all think you ain't built for nothing. You, all, you, don't, you don't know what to do. Guess what? That's okay. Because that's why we get together. Because we build each other up. We make each other stronger. We worship together. Again, we love that scripture. It says, where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst of them. Yeah, we just love quoting that one. But do we believe it? That when you all come in, that you are meeting with the creator of the universe. Do you know that? And how do you not get excited about that? But see, too often what happens is we forget hurt people. Hurt people. And so people who are around us that are hurt, do what? They lash out. They hurt the people around them. See, the fact is we have a battle that's going on in us, around us, and against us. And our battle is not against that person who's hurting. See, how we know we're in the process of changing you're in a battle. And I was thinking about that thought process. When normally does a rattlesnake bite a human? When it's threatened, when it gets too close. When is Satan going to attack you? When he feels threatened. When you start making some changes. When you start making a decision saying, I'm going to be different. See, if you ain't getting, an, getting attacked, I'd be worried. Because he ain't got to attack you if you ain't doing nothing that's threatening him. So we're going to face battles. So we got to get battle ready. We got to get ready to fight. Now see, for me and who I was, getting ready to fight, that's just part of my, who I am. 
So I'm, I'm majority of the time in battle mode. Because I know we have an enemy who wants to destroy you. Who wants to destroy me. Who wants to destroy your kids. And here's something I've learned over the last couple years. That when the enemy can't attack me and my wife, he will start trying to attack my kids. And so guess what? I was reading Nehemiah this week. I asked myself, when was the last time I was broken and just in tears for my family as he was for Jerusalem? Because the walls were broken down and his, the whole nation, the whole, everybody living there was in danger. And he was broken and fasted and prayed for seven days. When is the last time? And I, I just watched, again, I'm old school. I just watched a thing from Dave Wilkerson on prayer. And he basically made a statement saying, I am sick and tired of you saying you're worried about your marriage, you're worried about your kids, you're worried about your family if you ain't willing to get down in agony and pray for them. And he made a statement that kind of stuck with me that said, all revival is born out of agony. When we get a broken heart for what breaks God's. That's where changes come. And so just like in order to build muscle in our lives, we have to tear fibers to build our faith. We have to be uncomfortable. We have to grow. We have to strengthen ourselves. We have to get ready and get right if you want to get in the fight. See, you try to get into this battle without getting ready, Satan is not afraid of you. Sorry. He's afraid of who's in you, but he ain't afraid of you. I mean, even the archangel Michael called on the name of Jesus rather than fighting Satan. Because Jesus has defeated him. And so I have to put my trust in him. I have to put my faith in that he, what he says is going to happen. See, I may think I'm tough, but like I said, dude's been doing it a long time. He's smarter than I am. Hate to break it to you, but the devil knows more scripture than any of y'all. He even believes in Jesus. Guarantee he ain't going to be in heaven when it's done. So it takes more than belief. It takes the action behind our belief to make a difference in this world, and that's going to happen when we learn to battle, when we learn to fight for what's right. See, when you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that there's more to life than what we're seeing around us, and we get a bigger picture of what heaven looks like, you're going to start getting ready to make a difference. Because if you don't have your eyesight right and your vision isn't correct and your vision isn't focused, every little distraction will start pulling you away from doing the right thing. And then we say things like, it's not that bad. See, we tend to not exercise self-control when, we when we're not ready for battle. We don't get rid of our old habits because when we don't cut them and put an end to them, they always will have a way of sneaking back in. As Sean shared about some of his old habits that he had, and we've talked about it, and I've shared some of mine with him, we understood that, guess what? You got to cut the head off the snake, not play with it. And the scary part about it is our you saw in a video one time that after snakes are dead, they can still kill you, that head. They, were, they talked about a chef cooking a cobra because apparently it was a delicacy. 
Went to go grab it, cut the head off. It was dead. Pricked the fang. Was dead in two minutes. See, just because you cut the head off that old habit, you need to bury it and get away from it. Don't keep playing with it because it can kill you. And we don't, I don't want that for anybody that's here. See, I don't want you to slide back to what's comfortable. I want you to grow forward to what makes a difference so you can focus on more. See, Jesus tells us in his word, Paul tells us what Jesus said. He said, your old lives are gone. All things have become new. So how do I spit in Jesus' face and say, no, I want to continue in my old ways and not pick up your new life? And that may sound harsh, but isn't that what we're doing when we're saying, no, I know better, God. I want to do my old things. Jesus didn't die so you could do your old things. He died so you could be made new. But see, what am I going to look like? How, what does that look like? I want to look at quickly just three things this morning before I go in just quickly and hit the, the armor, the armor that, we, that Paul talks about. Is the first thing we must do to teach us to fight these battles is I have to prepare for them. If I don't, in 1 Peter 1, 13 through 16, he says, so prepare your minds for action and exercise self-control. Put all your hope in the gracious salvation that will come to you when Jesus Christ is revealed to the world. So you must live as God's obedient children. Don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. You didn't know better then, but you do now. But now you must be holy in everything you do, just as God who chose you is holy. For the Scriptures say, you must be holy because I am holy. See, I love the fact he says we, we have to prepare for action. Now, we kind of joked about it Thursday. What's a typical Christian response when you hear about a problem? I'm going to pray about it. Now, there's a quote from Oswald Chambers, I think it is, or C.S. Lewis, one of those guys. And he says, prayer isn't the preparation for the work. It is the work. See, so when we pray, God's going to give us an action plan, and we have to walk out that action plan. Preparation doesn't mean I just sit there and do nothing. Again, now, you ever, if you were in the military or a battle plan that's always drawn up that is the preparation time but if there is no action taken to that preparation what happens you lose we had an architect draw up our plans for the building that was the preparation for it if we hadn't gone and started putting action behind it y'all wouldn't be sitting here this morning see we prepare and then we get moving we don't just stay there see we we transform our minds as we get ready. We transform how we think. We start to use self-control. And remember, it's not up to what we can do, but it's what Jesus has done. See, stop thinking you have to do it all. Because you don't. Jesus has already done it. All you got to do is follow him. Romans 12.2 in the Good News Translation says it this way, Don't become like the people of this world. Instead, change the way you think. Then you will always be able to determine what God really wants, what is good, pleasing, and perfect. 
See, when you change what you think, when you, when you shift your focus, when you flip the script, when you, you know, zoom the lens, whatever you want to call it, when you change it, now you can determine what God wants you to do because you're no longer focused on what you want. See, to win the invisible battle, God's already given us a plan. He's already given us a way. He's given us the weapons to fight. He knows the battle is going on against us and it's against you. But we think we have a problem. And all of a sudden, the minute we have a problem, we shift our focus off of what the real enemy is and we start arguing with our wives. Okay, maybe all you guys are perfect. I don't know, okay? Or you yell at your kids. Or you yell at a coworker. Or you say what kind of jerk your boss is. Which, famous, uh, quite a statement we've, I've been making a lot in my house, is if you don't like what your bo boss is doing, go back to school and become the boss. Or Colossians 3.17 says what? Whatever you do, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So you want to make the decisions, go back to school, and then everybody can think you're a jerk. <laughs> Just saying. You laugh a little too hard at that, Christy. <laughs> um, <laughs> Here's what the Bible tells us in Ephesians 6, 10 and 11, and that's really our main verse when you look at the armor of God started in Ephesians 6. He says, a final word, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power, put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. So how many of y'all want to defeat your problems? How many of y'all need prayer so you can overcome your problems? Okay, I'm not seeing them all yet, so I'm going to keep going until you all raise your hands. Unless you all like living defeated lives, that's great. So, no, okay, sweet. Then, then we're, we're good to go. I'm, 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 I'm in the right place. Um, but I hate to tell you this this morning, you're born into a battle. Are you going to fight? See, you didn't ask for the battle when you were born. But when you were born on earth, you were born into a cosmic spiritual battle. At the end of the day, when Jesus comes back, and he is coming back, there's heaven, there's hell. I truly believe that. And last time I checked, hell is still hot. But we have cooled to the notion of it. In fact, we make jokes about it nowadays. And that does break my heart. Because I know from what I've read in Scripture, it ain't a place I want anybody I love to be. Anybody I don't like, I don't want them to be there. See, there's an unseen war going on between good and evil, between light and darkness, between God and Satan. But they are not equal enemies. When the end of time comes and Jesus, sent, Jesus comes back and God says, enough's enough, game over, it's game over. He ain't struggling with Satan. We do. Why? Because he, know, he knows, he knows, he knows he cannot defeat God. So what is he doing? He will attack God's children. That's you. That's me. So we have to be ready. The 
the ba- and that's, that's true, truly the bad news is that you were born for a battle. The good news is, in 1 John, Jesus says, greater is He who is in you than he who is in the world. So you were born for battle, but you were born to win. And we need to remember that. Second thing I, I jumped out of this first part of Ephesians 6 is we have to recognize, I have to recognize my real enemy. Again, it's not everyone. Ephesians 6.12 says, For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against rule, evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. See, one of the reasons why you walk around defeated and discouraged all the time is because you don't know that you have a real enemy. You're just saying, well, I'm just struggling with this. It's how I've always been. How many of y'all heard that one? Well, that's just how they've always been. I heard it about me. Well, he's just always a jerk. Hopefully over time, God's fixed that. Or he's just, oh, they're just always angry. Or they're never serious. See, we'll attack people not understanding that it's not the person who's doing it. It's the enemy we have who wants to steal people's joy, steal people's hope, steal people's future. And we say, and again, I want you to think like Nehemiah. Are you willing to stand in the gap and pray for those you don't like? Are you willing to stand in the gap for your loved ones and say, even though they may be walking through some junk today, I'm standing strong in Jesus' name and I will not let you touch them. Are you willing to say that? Are you willing? Has it, has it gotten into your belly yet where you can just say, no, enough's enough? I'm born a winner. I will not listen to the lies. I will not live by the lies, Satan. You keep trying to tell me, telling me I'm not good enough. Telling me I have to change who I think I am when I know who God's created me to be. And we start, we start getting a little fired up. And we start saying, no, enough's enough. I know who Jesus is and I know what he's done for me. Ephesians 6, 14 through 17 says it this way. And the first three words we have to learn, and we, we, maybe most days, when you start walking through some junk, you just need to start repeating to yourself. It says, stand your ground. Don't let the enemy force you to retreat. Because Jesus said, on this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. We are on the offense. If you're going to step anyway, step up. Don't step back. And say, I'm going to stand my ground. I may be walking through some junk today, but guess what? I'm going to stand. Why? Because my life has been built on a firm foundation and his name is Jesus. I'm not listening to your lies anymore. See, he says, stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. In addition to all these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet and take a sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. So to look at those just briefly, a little bit different this morning, when we look at the belt, belt of truth, I want you to think of the belt of truth as integrity. Are you willing to do the right thing because it's the right thing? 
Are you willing to do it when no one else sees it? See, you're knowing and willing to do the truth because that will give your life stability. You won't be, like they say in, the, in Scripture, you, your, your life won't be tossed to and fro because you have the belt of truth. And again, John 14, 6 says, you are the way, the truth, and the life. So if it lines up with Jesus, it's the truth. If it doesn't line up with Jesus, it's wrong. I don't care what color you try to paint it, what kind of pretty box you put it in it, if it's not lining up with Jesus, it ain't the truth. And so we put on the belt of truth. And again, remembering at that time, belt, it, it was the stability. It came up. It came in. It's another place in Peter. It talks about girding your loins and pulling up and because they wore long cloaks. Y'all remember that? Y'all seen pictures? Tunics and stuff like that. When they went to run, when they went to fight, when they went to do hard work, they'd take it, men, women, bring it up, tuck it in their belt. It gave them stability. They knew what, they were, what was coming up. See, your life isn't based on truth, if it's not based on truth, you're going to have sinking sands. You're going to have shifting sands. You're going to have different ideas that are going to make you start thinking differently and you're going to be tossed to and fro and falling for any BS. We have to have a strong core. Just like, guess what? You, aren't, you wouldn't have walked here today without a strong core. It's that simple. The belt of truth gives us our spiritual core so we can withstand, and we can stand our ground. Jesus said in the Sermon of the Mount, the person who builds his life on my truth is like the guy who builds his house on a rock. Because when we build on his truth, we can withstand what's coming. But he said, if you don't build your house on the truth or your life on truth, it's going to be like shifting sands and it's going to easily be blown over. So you can be like the first of the three little pigs or the third one of the three little pigs. You can have your house blown over or you can have your house standing firm. You can have your life standing firm. You have to decide that. Stand your ground with truth. The second thing we look at here, he says, protect your heart with the shield of righteousness. Protecting our hearts. Proverbs 4.23 says, guard your heart above all else for it determines the course of your life. So we put on God's breastplate of righteousness. The breastplate covers our heart. It covers our vital organs. See, God is saying, guess what? I want you to walk in purity. That's why I want you to think about the breastplate of righteousness. Walk in purity. Satan wants to attack you with impure motives. He wants to attack you with impure thoughts. He wants to make you think that it's not that bad. He's going to make you think that it doesn't really bother you. So it's okay to watch those things that you shouldn't be watching. And he continues to lie to you. And then you continue to compromise. And then you find yourself someplace one day you never thought you'd end up because you compromised one little thing here. David committed adultery. We want to say David should have stopped when Bathsheba came over. The Bible tells us David should have stopped. I'll move back, Nick. The Bible should have stopped when he looked at her taking a bath. See, the adultery started back here, not when it happened. We have to guard our hearts, guard our minds. Make sure we're keeping track of what's going into it. See, you're not going to be a perfect person, but Satan fears somebody who's progressing towards a perfect God. See, a person with a pure heart wants to do the right thing. Third thing is, when we put on those shoes, guess what? We have serenity. It says we're going to live and speak the gospel of peace. 
How many of y'all think our culture could use a little peace nowadays? Yeah. Are you speaking it? See, Satan is going to attack your integrity with lies. He's going to attack your purity with lust. But Satan is going to attack your peace with worry. 1 Peter 5, 7 says, Give all your worries and cares to God. Why? Because He cares for you. He's talking about living in peace. How can I have peace when I'm at home? I remember God cares about me. Second thing on that, he says, speak in peace. As he says, Ephesians 4.29, don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear him. Now, I repented and prayed this week for that one because not all my words were pure. Not all my words were good for building up. And we can take a moment if you want to all pray for yourselves because I know none of yours were either. But do do those things, do you catch those things? See, I caught those things because I was in his word and I was praying and realized, guess what? I'm not perfect. I still make mistakes to this day. But I need Jesus and he is perfect. Fourth thing, the shield of faith is we have certainty. We trust in God's promises. Psalm 33, 4 says, For the word of the Lord holds true, and we can trust everything he does. Yeah, I got one hallelujah out of that one. Do you trust everything that's going on? Do you trust God? That is a faith stretcher right there. As a Christian, we all want to sit here and say, Yes, I do. And then something happens, and it's like, Oh, I got to take care of this. I'm joking with y'all, but it's, we all do it. We say we trust God, but do we? And that is just maturing, honestly. None of us are there yet, so don't feel bad if you haven't been. The Bible says, though, that without faith it is impossible to please God. So you have to have your shield of faith. You've got to carry it with you. You're going to say, I'm going to trust God no matter what my feelings say, because your feelings are not facts. As Randy Rua says, you know, emotions are great slaves, but they're horrible masters. See, we want to control and take every thought captive to the obedience in Christ so that we can walk in faith. The fifth thing, (laughs) the helmet of salvation, what it gives us, (laughs) sanity. Y'all feeling crazy right now? Y'all feel a lot going on? The helmet of salvation will give you sanity and it will protect your mind from evil. See, we spent a lot of time over the last few weeks on guarding our hearts and minds because I believe it's the greatest thing we need to focus on. And remember, we have a real enemy. Colossians 3.2 says, Think about the things of heaven, not the things of this earth. See, when you think about these issues, you think about what's going on, integrity, purity, serenity, peace, certainty, and sanity, you know what that is? It is a perfect representation and picture of who Jesus is. It's a perfect representation of the Son of God. We're talking about letting go and letting Jesus live through our lives. And the sixth thing that's talked about here is the sword of the Spirit. See, everything else up to this point has been defensive. God saved the best for last. As you mature, 
He will teach you how to use His Word to defeat the enemy. You go back to Jesus when He was being tempted in the desert for 40 days. Again, same, same thing the enemy tried to use in the Garden of Eden, tried to use against Jesus. And He says, but the man, He says, the Word says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by everything that comes from the mouth of God. It says, don't test the Lord your God. See, even Jesus used his word against the enemy because it is his word. Jesus is the word. So when we understand a sword is important because it's an offensive weapon, we, we have our defensive weapons. Satan's going to come after you, but you are going to go on the offensive and you're going to start taking territory. You're going to start expanding the territory God's given you. You're going to start expanding the love in your marriage. You're going to start expanding your relationships because you are going to understand that that person is not the enemy. That person is another child of God. The enemy is trying to attack you and you're going to say, I'm going to stand my ground. I'm going to trust Jesus because He is the perfecter of faith. And we're going to trust Him with everything. And the final piece of the puzzle to put on that armor of God is found in Ephesians 6, in case you all were wondering how you're supposed to put it on. <laughs> Pray in the Spirit at all times. Pray in every occasion. Prayer is the key to all of this.